Welcome in to the best in true crime podcasting. This is True Crime Tuesday. I'm your host, Tim Dennis. Guess what? In the, in the aftermath of Viking Packer Week, uh, our regular co-host, Beer City Bruiser, took the week off. Hmm. How convenient. Likes one on that one. Uh, but I digress. No, Bruiser is out because he's having uh, surgery, or he had surgery this week. Uh, so we wish him a speedy recovery. Actually, he'll be back next week. It's a minor surgery. Uh, as opposed to the last one, which was major. Uh, but in the meantime, we have an exciting show for you. We are doing Halloween crimes and murders. And for that, we have to bring in the one that slays them all. See what I did there? The one that slays them all. The co-hostess with the mostest. Here she is, the magnificent Mally Fox. Hi, Mally. Hello. It's so good <laughs> to have you back. Oh, I love being back. Thank you. We love having you. Um, and it's your favorite time of year, by gosh. Oh, that's my favorite holiday. I freaking love Halloween. I would almost ask an oxymoronic question like, are you looking forward to it? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But uh, I just went to a haunted house this weekend. Did you? Oh, my God. Can I just say I scream so much. I startle <laughs> easily. Yeah. So I'm like the perfect target. But I mean, I had. Uh, yeah, I had flashbacks of an actual real investigation I went on. And one of the characters was this thing that I saw and it knew my fear and it followed me like, no. throughout the place. And I just sat there because I could hear it, but no. I couldn't see it. <laughs> oh, no. Ugh. Yeah, it was a shadow person thing crawling on all fours. Oh, no. Yeah, it creeped me out. But they put on an excellent haunted house. I just had, you know, post-traumatic stress. Oh, my gosh. Where, where was this? Where, where was the haunted it house? It was um, up in Bay City. It's the U... What is it? USS... Oh, my gosh. I'm just drawing a blank. It's an old warship. Okay. Edison. Edison. Okay. Yeah. So I think they call it like the Edison incident or something like that. So it's a haunted house on an old ship that is haunted in real life. Oh, my God. So, yeah. But uh, it was good. It was good. But, oh, my God, I had a little bit of trauma. <laughs> so are you of a mind that uh, when they do things like this, when they do the haunted house on a, on a haunted location, that it amps up the, the, uh, the, the activity? Oh, I bet you it does. Yeah. I bet you with all that fear you have in the air. Yeah. And all of the energy of people walking through. Oh, yeah. yeah it has to. Man, I tell you that that is something. Oh. That is something. Uh, yeah. Yeah. We had uh, we had when we were kids up in Ham Lake, the JCs used to run it and they put it in this. They built their own. Pardon me as I knock my microphone around. Uh, they uh, they built this tiny little haunted house from scratch and it had uh -huh. these tiny walls that you had to squeeze into it was so claustrophobic and i think that's where the beginning of my claustrophobia started oh and darn jc's yeah the jc's <laughs> the uh the purveyors of evil in hamlake minnesota <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it was just, it was the worst. Um, mm -hmm. and, and that was, uh, that was where I punched a wolf man one year. I oh, geez. Yeah. It got, it got really bad. Um, mm -hmm. and my apologies to the wolf man, whoever he was. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was, it was, it was bad. I mean, it was good. It was a good haunted house. It got, right. to, but, but yeah, they, that, those were in the days, you know, in like the eighties and, and I think they, they shut that thing down in the late eighties. Um, but where they could kind of, and they could, they could kind of touch you a little bit, but not really, Yeah, you know, kind of just give you mm -hmm. the little tap. Yep. Yeah. Oh, and that, yeah. 
I did a haunted house years ago. I don't know if they still have it because of COVID and stuff, but it was in the, it was in a haunted building in Minneapolis and it was, it, oh, what was it? It used to be like a meat packing or a meat. I forget what it was, but you sign a waiver saying they can touch you. Oh, and it's really? such a mine. I would say the F word, but it's a mine. Yes, it yes. just messes with your head. Yeah. Like it is just like at the end, you're like, can I just please go? Because you're so disoriented. And I mean, there was, I remember there was one room, it was black, and they put you against the wall. Oh, and, no. But people on the outside could watch the camera so they could see you. And I forget what it was called, but it was just messed up. And you had to wear masks and you weren't allowed to talk. Oh, God. Yeah, it was like a, it was, it was psychotic. It was just, it, oh, my God. It was, and then this one guy came up to me, like, ah, like this weird face and saying stuff. Yeah. And, he's, and he was talking, he goes, look down. And I looked down and he has a fake, like, you know, penis. Ah. He's like, touch it, touch it. And I was like, what? So I started Whoa. to touch it. And he's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I don't know, he told me to touch it. <laughs> and you're like, all right, I got to see what it's made out of. Wait a minute. Yeah. And they had like this bathroom scene where you had to sit on the toilet but then there was like these weird people it was like a ma it just was so messed up and i forget what it was called but it was in minneapolis and it used and it's an actual haunted building but it used to be they used to slaughter animals and now it's like an art exhibit or oh. it was when i last time i was in minnesota was that the soap factory yes yeah there we go soap yeah factory. the soap factory yeah which unfortunately they've shut the soap factory down now oh yeah, you can't. Oh. Uh, you can't even. You can't even do tours there anymore. You used to be able to do haunted tours there. Oh, that's sad. Yeah. So I don't know what. I don't know if it was the old owners of the building weren't able to maintain it, but yeah. Oh. But it, it, it's a cool building. It is. It used to function as an art gallery full time, and and yeah. But they, uh, yeah, the the sounds you used to be able to get on EVP were mm-hmm. were were just frightening. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was a, yeah. it was creepy. But anyway, so yeah, yeah. that was a, before that, that was the last time I've been to. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. And it ends with everyone, like all these like nut how like crazy people coming out. And you know, when your time is up because you all gather in this room and everyone starts singing ha- uh, happy birthday, I think in a creepy voice. And that's no. when you knew like it was done with. Oh, oh! But it was okay. like an asylum. It was just like your senses were so messed up. <laughs> You're like, what did I just go through? <laughs> okay, that that's truly terrifying. That yeah, that outdoes the one I saw on television this weekend, which they were. I was watching a special on these different uh, most most terrifying haunted houses that you could go to uh-huh. uh, throughout the nation, and this, supposedly the scariest one was down in the. I think it was the Atlanta area. Um, which they had heavy metal bands at every night, and it was there's a castle out on the front. You know, it's a it's got a castle front, um, and cool. it's got satanic. It's supposedly satanic themes, and it's just mayhem. It's like you know, zombies battling humans, and and people being cut open by people with chainsaws and stuff like that. And the supposedly the municipality has threatened to shut it down many times because of the oh, themes. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. But um, it uh, the three guys who started it, they had a dream. They said, we had a dream to open this, this haunted house. I'm like, who has a dream to open that kind of haunted house? 
I think it was more a necessity. They thought that, that there was nothing that reached their, their level of gore. So they mm-hmm. decided that they were going to do this. Um, I don't want to say it was sweet, but these, you know, these three guys just had this, lo- this twinkle in their eye when they, when they were talking about it. And uh, they said, no, 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 we, we, we decided that we wanted to take it to a higher level. Well, to them, I think taking it to a higher level of scare mm-hmm. was just a higher level of gore. There was no real psychological. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. It was all just physical violence. That's what they mm-hmm. wanted to take it to. So it was a different kind of haunted house. It was, it was actually because there were satanic altars and things like that. That's the scare they wanted to give you. Gotcha. Oh, right in the Bible Belt. (laughs) Yes, yeah. So that's exactly what it was. They wanted to. They wanted to basically turn it on its ear in a certain Mm -hmm. community. So that's that's the scare they were going for. With that, Mally, we'll we'll get into Mm -hmm. our our topic today, which got me thinking. You know, when we're True Crime Tuesday on a Halloween, uh, where can we go with this? Because, you know, I thought. You know, on, on Halloween, what was our biggest fear when we went out as kids? And if you remember, when we were young, when we were whippersnappers, as I hit my <laughs> microphone again. We used to walk five miles to school in snow, barefoot. Right. Back in our day. But there wasn't a lot of fear because, you know, they would give us a trick-or-treat bag and you could walk for miles and miles and miles, right? Mm-hmm. And nobody thought about, well, we were at the beginning of the razor blades and candy. Yes. Yeah, I think that was an excuse, though, for the parents just to get the good candy. Yes, yeah, they, they, there was the parent tax. The parent tax, I think, started with our generation. Um, but there was the there was the beginning of, you know, x-raying your candy or taking it to the, mm-hmm. the hospitals to, you know, take a look through your candy. Um, the, or parent inspections, as it was first called. Um, but there was really no general concern for you going out there and then there was the atlanta kid kidnappings mm-hmm. if you remember and there were different things that happened that time of year there was the pixie stick poisonings and things like that oh, i don't remember that one we'll talk about that today okay um and there were some other things that happened that made in different murders and crimes that made people go well wait a minute maybe halloween isn't the safest time of year maybe it's time for me to go with my kids Mm-hmm. on Halloween and accompany them from door to door to make sure they're okay. And in hindsight, really, now, you know, I've, I've said something on the show that's actually got me in trouble with my own mother at times. Uh, and that is that, uh, you know, what, the, the phrase, and I talked about this with Jess Lurie, uh, the phrase, well, that was just the times. You know, mm-hmm. that was just the way things were then. You know, it was a different time. Those phrases really kind of ticked me off a little bit, Mally. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. The the throwing those phrases out as a as an excuse for lack of responsibility. Um, because how tough is it to have one parent go with a group of kids? Oh, it's not tough at all. No, no. But to just hand a kid a sack and let them go out in their little in our day, it was just a vinyl piece of crap costume with barely having isolates in the mask. Where you're like sweating underneath the mask. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) There's all this moisture around your mouth area. (laughs) Right. And then you had piles and piles of clothes on underneath it. Yep. 
and to just go flammable. Bar- flammable. Yes, you were very flammable. <laughs> That's back when all the parents were smoking. <laughs> yes, and they had a cigarette hanging out of their mouth as they were putting yeah. it on you. Um, it was it, it was highly dangerous just to throw us out there, especially the further out you lived. Think about that. I mean, your chances of running into an Ed Gein were pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, and to just go out there and say, okay, go have fun. You know, just be back in a couple hours. Right. But that was our everyday life. Like our parents were like, just be home by the time, you know, it's dinner or the lights, street lights come on. That was just the way we were brought up. Sure. Sure. Which, uh, but, but see, now we're going back to that excuse. Well, those were just the times. True. But but do you think they're just misinformed because we didn't have the media that we have now? So we're aware more of all the crappy stuff that goes on in the world? How unsafe it is? See, if you look back at it, these things were, were happening. But Right, but, but I don't they think were, we were as informed, I think. Well, I think they turned a blind eye to it. <clears throat> oh, you maybe. Know? I, th- I think it was a it was the beginning of the me generations that were happening. You know, I'm more concerned with what's going on in my own life. You know, mm-hmm. I, I don't I don't necessarily, you know, oh, the kid will be fine. You know, I got this. I got this going on, that going on, the other going on. You know, ah, the kid will be fine. You know, if you remember, that's that's the beginning of latchkey kids. Right. That, right. That generation never had to let themselves in the door with a key mm-hmm. while mom and dad went to work. There was always one parent that was home, but at the same time, um, well, you know, you can't make that excuse. I, I mean, I know I'm getting into a, I'm getting into a, uh, um, I'm getting into economic landscapes here, but you know, you had the, you had the baby boomers who had not so great economic conditions at one time, mm-hmm. but they never had to. I mean, there was always a parent home there. Um, you're talking about now in our day, in our day, uh, you had. Uh, you had both parents out of the home working, mm-hmm. you know, so there had to be a, there had to be an instance where, um, you know, kids had to let themselves in the house. Yeah. What kind of think are also, I mean, with our generation, like my parents, are you bleeding? Nope. Okay. You're fine. Yeah. Kind of like we had to be tough. Right. Right. <clears throat> you know, like suck it up. Here we go. Yeah, exactly. You know, and you had to learn a lot of things by yourself. You remember the first yeah. time you got a microwave and you had to learn how to cook things in the microwave. Yeah, that were big enough for us to fit into. Yes. <laughs> they were gigantic. <laughs> yep. Yep. Right. It, you had to have like your own like table for it. To put right. On. I remember we, our first microwave came with, uh, my dad purchased food service. You know, when, you know, when, when they, when they drop things off frozen foods. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. So we purchased a freezer food service and we got a free microwave with it. And I remember okay. the, the salesman coming in and telling us different animals you can't, Put in the microwave. Oh Jesus! Which, which means someone did it because if they're giving yeah. you that, which is sad. And I thought that was the most morbid conversation I'd ever had for for my age. Right. Was right. W- well, in Gremlins, they put something in the microwave. Right. Yeah. And and so you know, and you're having conversations, you're thinking, "Well, I'd never do that." But they still had the conversation with you, so you right. wouldn't do it. Or, yeah. di- or or they were planting the seed, one or the other. <laughs> <laughs> so, but these, we started to go through this thing with Halloween where things were starting to happen on that day. So mm-hmm. parents go, well, wait, if it can happen to that neighborhood, well, surely it can happen in this neighborhood. And I'm not going to take that chance with my child. And par- parents start to smarten up. 
mm-hmm. because there are more gruesome and more gruesome things <clears throat> happening on this day. Okay. And of course, you're in the Michigan area, the D- D- Detroit yeah. area, where the night before Halloween. Yes. Devil's night. Not as, yeah, not as bad as it used to be. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, it's a big, it's a big thing here. But in the 70s, Devil's Night was dangerous. Oh, yeah, half the city was burned down. <laughs> right. Right. A bazillion fires. Yeah, I think there's even like a documentary with the Detroit Fire Department on Devil's Night where they had to go. It was like constant, you know, getting called out to put out a fire because they would just burn all of these, you know, abandoned homes and stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But so, no, yeah, it's a big deal here. Right. Well, in this article, it says crime is not a seasonal affair. It doesn't matter whether it's Valentine's Day, Christmas Day. It's just a crime of the heart on Valentine's Day. That's all I'll say. <laughs> uh, New Year's Day or Easter, there will be people out there breaking the law, whether it's speeding, assault, burglary, or murder. When it comes to the more serious and bloody end of the criminal spectrum, the end that features such heinous acts as taking a person's life, there's one square on the calendar that stands out above all others, and that's Halloween. Does October 31st, a day that's so intrinsically associated with horror and the grotesque, really offer up more murder than any other date in the diary? It's hard to say, but what's undeniable is that All Hallows' Eve certainly brought out the very worst in these folks. Now, we're going to talk about 13 different murders that have happened to start out our program. Interesting, huh? Mm -hmm. Uh, A row over a missing bag of candy ends up in murder in this case. You could forgive a five-year-old becoming enraged after losing a bag of trick-or-treating sweeties and throwing a tantrum, but a 55-year-old Mally? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. (laughs) He needs to grow up. Liddell Peoples lost his cool on Halloween night in 2011 in a domestic disturbance in Chicago's South Side that turned very ugly indeed. Not able to track down his bag of Hershey's, Jolly Ranchers, and Tootsie Rolls, he accused his partner, 49-year-old Maria Adams, of stealing them from him. A way of response to the accusation, she she threw a plate uh, at his head and Peoples picked up a knife and repeatedly stabbed her. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Uh, She died in the hospital, and her killer got 30 years over some sweets. When he could have just gone to the grocery store and paid $15 for 100-something pieces of candy. (laughs) That's right, yeah. You could have got away with just buying more. It's America. America. You can always buy more. Right. That's right. (laughs) Or wait till the next day when it's half off. That's right. When it's half off and you can can get it cheaper. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. This one's a Halloween tradition that leads to a bullet in the head. Yikes. Chucking eggs at houses and cars is a classic. Now, I have to ask you, Mally, before we get into the story, have you ever participated in any Halloween hijinks? No, I have not. No? No. Actually, I'm trying to think. Nope, I haven't. I've actually been a good girl. Oh, okay. At least for that day. (laughs) For that day, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and other days, maybe it might have happened. Other days, yeah. I'm up to shenanigans. But no, I've never partaked, or par- is it partaked or partook? Partook, yeah. Partook Yeah. in any uh, Halloween shenanigans. Huh, okay. Well, chucking exit houses and cars is a classic, if rather juvenile and annoying, it says in this uh, uh, article, Halloween prank. But after a long day at work... And an evening of trick-or-treating with his girlfriend and young son, 21-year-old Carl Jackson was in no mood for his car to get egged on Halloween night 
1998. Unfortunately, for all concerned, it was. South Bronx is a tough neighborhood. Boy, is it ever. Mm -hmm. Uh, So when Carl got out of his car to remonstrate with the kid uh, who went sunny side up on his vehicle, he took a (laughs) risk. Sadly, the risk didn't pay off. 17-year-old Curtis Sterling shot Carl in the head, killing him instantly. Oh, my goodness. Mm. Sterling was arrested, charged, and imprisoned for murder. Every Halloween, Carl Jackson's mother sends her son's killer a card telling him she's glad he's rotting in prison. Oh, my gosh. Wow. That's a lot of energy to do that. It is, but I suppose, you know. If you're uh, if you're hurting that bad, you, right. you care care enough to send the very best, Mally. That's what the commercial says. Oh wow, yeah. that guy has a short fuse, though. Yeah, he does. I mean that. Right. Yeah. Well, that's that's the Bronx for you. I'm just saying. This one has to do with a sister slang. We go to Amarillo, Texas, on October 31st of 1981. 76-year-old nun, Sister Tadea Benz, was raped and strangled in her <gasps> convent. Oh. Yeah. On November 9th, Johnny Frank Garrett, who lived across the street from her, was arrested for the abominable crime. On February 11th of 1992, he was executed via lethal injection by the state of Texas. Garrett's final meal was ice cream. Ice cream, mm-hmm. Allie. Yeah. Real grown up. His final words were, I'd like to thank my family for loving me and taking care of me. And the rest of the world can kiss my ass. Wow. Nice guy. Mm-hmm. Since his execution, there have been various doubts raised surrounding his guilt. Increasing, increasingly, many people believe that Johnny was innocent. Not that that helps Johnny now, of course. Right. Exactly. If he was innocent, why not say something? He had time. Yeah, he did. But he sat there. Interestingly enough. Next one is a Halloween house of horrors. The scene, Ohio. Teenager Devin Griffin was, or walked into, walked into, here's the quote, was like something out of a haunted house, he later said. Returning home from church on Sunday, October 31st, 2010, Devin found his brother Derek, mother Susan, and Susan's new husband, William Liskey, all dead and savagely murdered. There was only one suspect, William Liskey Jr., suffering with schizophrenia and with a documented history of violence and wildly unpredictable behavior. The 24-year-old was quickly found at a local halfway house and arrested. He confessed, admitting to all three murders. Liskey, it transpired, had shot his father five times, bludgeoned his older stepbrother Derek to death with a hammer, and then raped and shot his stepmother Susan. Liskey Jr. would take his own life in prison in 2015. Ugh. That happening in 2010 on Halloween. The most, one of the most famous uh, murders on Halloween is the final vile murder of the Toolbox Killers. You may have heard of the Toolbox Killers. It's uh, uh, L.A. serial killers Lawrence Bittaker and Roy Norris. Shirley Lynette Ledford was the fifth and thankfully final victim of L.A. serial killers Lawrence Bittaker and Roy Norris. The two men are some of the cruelest serial killing duos ever to disgrace the planet. They're also known as the toolbox killers because of their 
vile and perverted penchant for tool-based torture. The sick pair would often tape record their crimes. On Halloween night of 1979, Bitteker and Norris uh, snatched 16-year-old Shirley from a gas station where she was hitchhiking home after a Halloween party. Again, in 1979, people hitchhiked. Yeah, yep. That, That was one of those things. They beat her, raped her, tortured her externally and internally with pliers. Yeah. And eventually strangled her with a wire coat hanger. Finally, as a final insult, they dumped her lifeless body on a random front lawn. Both men were caught a month after killing Shirley so viciously. They are still imprisoned in maximum security institutions to this day. Both remain unrepentant. Ugh. That's pure evil. Yeah. This one has to do with the man that killed Halloween. Mally. Not Mally. Mally didn't kill Halloween. She's, <laughs> she's practically the spirit of Halloween. Or did people. I? Come on. Or did she? Hmm? <laughs> I'll let you think about that one for a minute. Uh, have you ever heard the old wives tale of the poison sweets at Halloween? Now, this is the one about the, I think, the pixie sticks. Okay. Okay. Supposedly given out by a crazy neighbor, the candy will kill any kid that eats it. Luckily, it's not a real thing, although it was once in Texas in 1974. This is when we began checking our candy. Ronald Clark O'Brien laced five pixie sticks with potassium cyanide and planned on killing five local kids, among them his son. Oh. Mm Mm-hmm. Why, you may ask? Well, the plan was to blame the poisonings on a neighbor. See him imprisoned, and O'Brien would collect the insurance policy he'd taken out on his young son. Oh. Yep. 11-year-old Timothy ate his... Oh, God, his name's Timothy. Uh, (laughs) 11-year-old Timothy ate his cyanide-filled sour candy on his dad's suggestion. It had enough poison in it to kill two people. Within an hour, he was hospitalized and declared dead. Luckily for the other four children, fast-thinking and acting local detectives figured out what had happened due to the smell on young Timothy's breath and confiscated the other pixie sticks before they could be consumed. On the 31st of March, 1984, Ronald Clark O'Brien, dubbed the man who killed Halloween, was put to death by the state in Huntsville, Texas. As the liquid chemicals entered his veins... A baying mob of 300 locals shouted trick-or-treat and threw hard candy at small groups of anti-death penalty protesters. Oh. Boy, those are mad people. Yeah. But that is the man who killed Halloween. His own son for money. His own son for money. Wow. Isn't that something? Mm. It's a small world, Mally. We've talked about the smiley face murders in the past on this program. The smiley face murders are one of them. And believe it or not, this happened here in this state in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of them happened on, on Halloween. Uh, like all other poor murder victims here, Chris Jenkins died at Halloween. Unlike the, all the other poor murder victims here, Chris Jenkins could very well be tied into a widespread crime phenomenon. One of them is known as the smiley face murder theory. University of Minnesota student Jenkins disappeared on Halloween of 2002, turning up in the Mississippi River, still wearing his Halloween costume some four months later. 
His death is believed by local police to have been the result of an accident or suicide, but the similarities between Jenkins' death and those of many other young men found in the water across North America have led many to wonder if there's not. Of course, he's believed to have been killed by the smiley face killer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, his mother's going around. She's an advocate. Um, Yeah, she doesn't believe that he committed suicide. She thinks that he's one of the many victims of the college-age kids found in water. Yep. Yeah. Yep. This one has to do with a Halloween costume, or perhaps the perfect disguise. Los Angeles hairdresser Peter Fabiano opened his door to trick-or-treaters on Halloween evening in 1957. Maybe the oldest crime on this list. Uh, Before he could reach for a few gobstoppers to throw into the brown paper bag that one was holding, bullets blasted out of the bag and into his chest. He had been shot to death with a twenty-two caliber pistol. The pair were Golden Pizer and Joan Rabble. Uh, Both pleaded guilty to murder and served lengthy prison terms. The two women were lovers. Joan was also seeing Fabiano's wife, Betty, though. Jealous and enraged, she plotted to get Peter out of the picture with Pizer's help. Not Pfizer, but Pizer's help. Uh, The date was picked as it was seen as the perfect night to skulk the neighborhood in disguise. And it was. Not that it helped him get away with it, of course. There you go. It almost sounded like a mob hit at first when you said yeah. the gun went through the bag. <laughs> yeah, it did, it did, didn't it? It sounded yeah, like it. Yeah, it sounded like it was a mob hit. Well, I suppose it, it could be disguised as a mob hit the way it, it was set up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it could, be, it could be mistaken for that as well. This one is the neighbor from hell, Mally. We go to our neighbors to the east, or in your case, the west, uh, Fond du Lac, Wisconsin. Ah. Uh, Halloween night, 1973. The city of Fond du Lac, Wisconsin... Nine-year-old Lisa French dressed up as the littlest hobo and went trick-or-treating. She only got next door. That's it. When neighbor Gerald Turner opened up, took little Lisa into his home and shut the door behind her. Mm. Turner then raped and killed her, stuffing her tiny body into a plastic bag and dumping it in a nearby field. As of 2018, the Halloween killer has been eligible for parole, but the state continues to refuse his release. Good. Yeah. Uh, Their rather understandable argument is that he is a sexually violent person and should not be released back into society. Mm. Can't say I disagree. Does does Wisconsin have the death penalty? I don't believe they do. Mm. I don't believe they do. All trick and no treat when 12-year-old trick-or-treater T.J. Derisaw knocked on Quentin Patrick's door in the city of Sumter, South Carolina, on Halloween night in 2008, he expected candy. What he got, Mally, was 29 bullets through his front door from an automatic AK-47. Ah. Uh. Yeah, that's not candy. 11 of which hit him, killing him instantly. The poor kid's dad and younger brother were also hit but pulled through and survived. It turns out that Quentin Patrick was a convicted drug dealer that had upset a rival gang of dealers and was fully expecting retribution. What he got was blood on his hands and 30 years inside. Wow. Yeah. Believe it or not, there were Halloween murders that were predicted by the son of Sam, David Berkowitz. Really? Yeah. David Berkowitz was responsible for New York City's 1977 Summer of Sam reign of terror, is a man who knows murder. He certainly knew about the murders of Ronald Sisman and Elizabeth Platzman, and in advance, 
How? Well, Berkowitz didn't plan and kill the Manhattan couple. He was in jail when he predicted their Halloween 1981 deaths. So how did he know they were going to be shot in the head execution style? Well, he had long since claimed that he was only partly responsible for the killings attributed to him. Berkowitz says that he was part of a satanic cult and that Sisman had a video of one of the Son of Sam shootings that was going to make its way to authorities. So the cult killed him to protect themselves. Is there any truth to that rumor? Well, one of the greatest books of crime nonfiction ever, Maury Terry's The Ultimate Evil, argues in great detail that there is. The full truth will almost certainly never emerge. Hmm. Interesting, huh? Very. This one is called Scream If You Want to Die Faster. Oh, geez. <laughs> yeah, right? Killers and Masks, it's mostly just a movie thing, so it makes sense that on one of the few times a real-life murder is committed by a masked man, that mask is from a film. Uh, in the unlawful killing of a 19-year-old Brooklyn man, Anthony Seabury, in 2013, the killer was sporting a ghost face mask, as seen in a popular horror movie, Scream, and its sequels. The case remains unsolved, although it's thought by some that the shooting was tied in with other shootings across New York City that night, for which a man was later shot and killed by police. So it may be random. I wonder how many murders were inspired by movies, like horror movies. Oh, I'm sure quite a few. And, and much like bank robberies that are done by people under masks, I'm sure quite a few murders have been done under masks as well. Mm. All right, one more, and then we'll take our break, and then we'll come back. We've got a few other crimes for you before we go to Dumb Crime Stupid Criminals today. This one is a truly unwelcome house guest. Adrienne Insonia, I believe it is, uh, Leslie Mazzara, and Lauren Mianza spent most of Halloween night 2004 handing out treats to door-knocking kids at their home in Napa, California. At approximately 11 p.m., the three women retired to bed. There would be one more person knocking on the door that night. This is my fear when I get late-night knocks. Mm-hmm. When do you, first of all, before I go any further, Mally, when do you wrap up trick-or-treating at your house? Um, our town does it from 5.30 to 7.30. Mm -hmm. So I usually wrap it up for like the stragglers. I'd say 8.30 I'm inside. Okay. So, so. You, you don't answer the, the door after 8.30? No, no. Because we actually, because it's warm enough usually in where I live. So we hang out outside because we fully decorate our house and stuff. So I hang out. And if they haven't come by then, yeah, we don't answer. But my dogs probably scare off anybody that comes to our door. Okay, okay. Because <laughs> you've heard them in the past. They go nuts. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, you know but here in... I usually quit it then. You know here in Minnesota, it gets really cold. And ten, yes. Tonight is going to be cold. I mean, it's it's mm -hmm. going to be... They're talking 30s. Mm -hmm. Maybe even... May not even break 30 tonight. It's the kind of weather where you can't exactly sit outside. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're going to have to be in your home. So to continually have to open up the door, anybody can be on the other side. And you right. know you know, you get kids that straggle. My, my theory has always been this. I would rather have you be a 15-year-old kid who is mm -hmm. out there on a lark, trick-or-treating because you want free candy, than to have you out there doing something nefarious. Right. Right. I'd rather have yeah. you come to the door with no costume at all and just have a bag and go trick or treat. 
<laughs> and be acting dumb because you want right. candy. I'd rather yeah. give you the rest of my bowl of candy than have you be doing something stupid and getting in trouble. Right? Because mm-hmm. at least you're, you think you're being funny and you're having a good time. Mm-hmm. I'll buy in, you know? But this is my worst nightmare, especially on Halloween. Um, so these three ladies spent most of Halloween night 2004 handing out treats to door-knocking kids at their home in Napa, California. At approximately 11 p.m., the three women retired to bed. There would be one more person knocking on the door that night. Mianza, after hearing a blood-curdling scream, ran out of the house and drove away. Mazara and, and Sonia were left in the house. Both had been savagely stabbed to death by Eric Matthew Koppel, a friend of one of the women. Koppel turned himself into police and confessed, but explained this motive or his motive for the double slaying. He is now serving a full life sentence without the possibility of parole. So he just showed up under the auspices of it's Halloween and one last straggler got in and uh, went to work. Do you have a ring camera? I don't. I, you know, I have one sitting around the house. It needs to be installed. Mm-hmm. And it's getting later in the season. I can't get up on the roof to do it. It's a solar, oh. it's a solar one. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. So I need to. And, and now it's, it's supposed to snow. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. So, um, so basically in the springtime, you'll be putting it up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I need to I need to get it. I need to get it installed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I love my ring camera. Yeah. And, and with ring cameras, it's getting safer out there. Too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Get yeah. off my porch. Yeah, exactly. You can yell at them. Get off my porch. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's for sure. Um, when we come back, we do have a couple more gruesome murders we can get into. And we have some other Halloween crimes we can get into. Uh, again, when we come back. And dumb crime, stupid criminals today. We've got some unusual dumb crime, stupid criminals, including one town in Russia that's called off trick or treat. Ah. Yeah. And we'll tell you why on dumb crime, stupid criminals. That's all coming up next. We've got Mally Fox in today for an unusual Halloween episode of True Crime Tuesday. We'll be back with more right after this. Welcome back to the best in true crime podcasting. This is True Crime Tuesday. I'm your host, Tim Dennis. It's a, it's a special Halloween edition of True Crime Tuesday. We're talking about Halloween murders and crimes today, Mally. And we've got a few other Halloween murders before we jump into some of the Halloween crimes here. This one is, is, is again, gruesome Halloween murder. Mm-hmm. The last several hours of Amatula McLaughlin's Young life were like something out of a horror movie, Mal. This five-year-old died in a gruesome Halloween murder at the hands of her mother after being taunted about the boogeyman and getting pushed down the stairs. According to People, police were called to the Parksburg, Pennsylvania home that McLaughlin shared with her mother, Sierra Robinson, and younger brother on Halloween night in 2018. Though the five-year-old was already dead, there was no question about what had happened to her. Daily Local News reports that Robinson admitted to multiple people that she'd push McLaughlin down the basement stairs. I knocked the victim out. She won't wake up. I'm going to jail, Robinson told a friend after pushing McLaughlin down the stairs, according to People. While in a holding cell, she also shouted, I wish I never pushed her down the effing steps. 
I shouldn't have pushed her. While formally interviewed, however, Robinson's story changed slightly. According to the Daily Local News, Robinson admitted to hitting and slapping McLaughlin and threatening to put her in the basement with the boogeyman. She claimed that the five-year-old had fallen down the steps accidentally. However, investigators noted that McLaughlin's body bore the marks of significant long-term abuse. People reports that the five-year-old had bruises, scars, puncture wounds, and strike marks covering her legs, arms, and back. Indeed, Robinson admitted that she'd been abusing her daughter for about a year, and she later pleaded guilty to killing her. This little girl was severely abused, culminating in her death, Chester County District Attorney Tom Hogan said in a statement reported by People. No child should have to live like this. Our hearts are broken by the death of an innocent child. Oh. Yeah, especially on Halloween, my God. That's just, oh, not good, not good. Mm. So we have some other, other stories here for Halloween that, uh, again, we're focusing on Halloween crimes and, uh, and Halloween murders. The body of a 15-year-old girl was discovered on October 31st, 1975. A resident of the wealthy community of Greenwich, Connecticut. And this has to do with Martha Moxley. Martha had been bludgeoned to death with a golf club. Oh, I remember this story. Yeah, she was last seen hanging out with Thomas Skakel, her neighbor and a nephew of Ethel Skakel Kennedy. Yeah. Right. And this happened on Halloween whose husband, Senator Robert F. Kennedy, had been assassinated seven years earlier. It was Thomas's younger brother, Michael, however, who was tried and convicted in 2000 for a murder. That's not a typo. The case had remained unsolved for 25 years. But the wheels of justice not only turn slowly, sometimes they swerve off the road. That, that, that's, not a, that's a horrible <laughs> pun, right. by the way. Especially with, was it Ted Kennedy with the yeah, girl? Yeah, that was Chappaquiddick. The car. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's a horrible... Oh, why am I laughing? I'm laughing. No, don't laugh. Yeah, that's that's a horrible pun on the writer's part. Yeah. I didn't write that, by the way, folks. Uh, Michael served 10 years in prison, then was granted a new trial based on the judge's finding that his original defense attorney had not adequately represented him. He was freed on $1.2 million bail in 2013, and after years of lawyering, his conviction was vacated and a new trial was ordered. On Martha was last seen alive... The state announced it would not retry him. In a bizarre coincidence, a best-selling true crime book about Martha Moxley's murder, published in 1999, was written by Mark Furman, the infamous cop whose racism revealed through evidence presented at the O.J. Simpson murder trial, arguably did as much damage to the prosecution as those ill-fitting gloves. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable. Just shows you how much old money you can get away with. That's true. Yeah. 25 years he got away with it. Amazing. This one is called the egging murders. Okay. And this is different than the other egging. Do they have any forking murders? (laughs) That's the new thing is to put the forks in the yard. (laughs) I see what you did there. I see what you did there. Uh, And again, this one happened in New York. I don't know what it is with New York and egging. Yeah. They don't like it when you egg them, evidently, in New York. Nope. 21-year-old Carl Jackson was fatally shot on Halloween 1998 by a 17-year-old Curtis Sterling, one of a group of boys he confronted after they egged his girlfriend's car. Weird. 
According to an informal tally by the New York Times, at least 24 people between 1984 and 2010 were seriously wounded or killed in stabbing, shootings, beatings, or accidents sparked by egg-throwing confrontations around Halloween. Does that seem sharp fuses? Does that seem like an offense that you should kill somebody over? No, but people kill each other for the stupidest things. And it's but especially it's Halloween. So many pranks go on in Halloween. Soaping of windows, you know, egg throwing. Yeah, yeah. In its 2010 story, I, I'm curious. I want people to email me, Tim at darknessradio.com. Tell me if they think that Halloween pranks are worth killing somebody over. Or if you get that mad that you you want to resort to violence. First of all, tell mm-hmm. me if you get that mad that you want to resort to violence. And second, why? I need to know why. What is it about a Halloween prank gets you that angry? Is it the fact that you have to clean it up? What is it about it that, that gets you that angry? Yeah, but people get mad when people park in front of their house on a public street. <laughs> you know Which what I mean? I don't get I, just- I don't get that. It's just they get mad over the simplest, stupidest things. It's just a weird society we live in. I don't get that either. Uh, In its 2010 story, the Times reported two days before Halloween in 1994, a man leaving a bar in Brooklyn was hit with eggs tossed by several boys. The man stabbed and killed one of the boys, who was a 12-year-old. Oh. In 1996, a 10-year-old Brooklyn boy was shot in the neck by a stray bullet after an egg fight on Halloween. On October 29th of 2005, 31-year-old Joseph Padro, the brother of a police detective, was shot and killed in the Bronx after he chased a group of teenagers who pelted his minivan with eggs. Again, the Bronx, but... Right. But still, all over New York, they're killing people over eggs. Eggs are Maybe expensive. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they are. It's not cheap anymore. No. <laughs> Maybe they should prevent the sale of eggs for like the week before Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> There's a ban on eggs. Right. At least just in New York. <laughs> right. Yeah. Just in the New York area. Keep the crime rate down. Mm-hmm. This next story, Mally, has to do with the killing of Japanese exchange student Yoshihiro Hattori. This is a familiar story, if you guys remember this, from 1992. Uh, Yoshi was only 16 at the time and had the tragic misfortune of knocking on the wrong door, which I know that story has come up recently in the news. Uh, It was 1992 in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and he and his friend had gotten lost on their way to a Halloween party and mistakenly thought they'd found it when they saw a house with Halloween decorations and the address was 10311. The correct address of the party was 10131. Oh. So they just had it, you know, transferred. Mm-hmm. Uh, what an eerie coincidence that the first four digits of the wrong address matched the date of the Halloween party. Huh? See? When the homeowner, 30-year-old Rodney Pierce, opened the door, Yoshi excitedly told them that they were here for the party and didn't seem to realize that Pierce had a gun which he used to shoot Yoshi point-blank in the chest. Piers originally wasn't charged. After a public outcry, the case did go to a trial, but a jury agreed with his self-defense argument and found him not guilty. That's a little harsh. Self-defense? Yeah. Uh, Yoshi. Yeah, it's not like he said he was going to kill him or anything like that. The words that came out of his mouth were here for the party. Yeah. <laughs> Just tell him there's no party. Get out of my house. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that's not threatening. No. Uh, 
Yoshi's family went on to become advocates for gun control. Uh, and there's, uh, there's actually more in that article if you want to read about it in, uh, online. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the kid just showed up for a party. Just tell him, hey, you got the wrong address. Mm-hmm. There's no party here. Some rather disturbing crimes that we can get into. Uh, let's see here. I believe we've done some of these already. Oh, Marvin Brandlin, who was shot on Halloween of 1982. Mm. Marvin Brandlin and his wife were handing out candy in their Fort Dodge, Iowa home in Halloween of 1982. A man in a mask came to their door, Mally. It's always someone in a mask. Mm-hmm. Well, it's Halloween. <laughs> I mean, they're going to have a mask on. Did you know schools don't allow masks anymore with your costume? Really? Yeah, you can't wear a mask. That's half the costume. I suppose because you wouldn't be identified in a school shooting. Yeah. Yeah. A uh, man in a mask came to the door and said, trick or treat, give me your money or I'll shoot. Thinking it was an elaborate prank, the couple tried to unmask the prankster because it's Fort Dodge, Iowa. That's what they do. <laughs> See, now that's when they need to declare self-defense. That's right. That's self-defense. Yeah. Yeah. But the man pushed them inside the house and pulled out a gun, demanding the money that they kept in a basement safe. Marvin tried to grab the gun, but the man shot him in the throat and fled. Somehow the mask was left behind since no one knew about the safe. It was assumed that someone in the family was behind the robbery, but even with DNA in the mask and a family member bragging that he did it, no one was ever arrested for the murder, Mally. Oh. Yeah. No one was ever arrested. I see the clerk's thing behind you mm-hmm. have you seen the costumes this year where it's uh silent bob and uh was it jay what's his character's name oh yeah jay and silent where, bob yeah. yeah where they do that little thing outside of the store he does like that rap kind of thing yeah yep anyway um it's it's kind of going viral this year for some odd reason so a lot of people are dressing up as them and doing the the rap that he does Oh, yeah. When they're outside the store. <laughs> oh, very cool. Very cool. Yeah, Melly's talking about a signed comic I have behind me from uh, Kevin Smith. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, which uh, that uh, that's interesting that that's a costume thing. Yeah, though. it's becoming popular this year. I don't know why, but because that, mo- that movie is old. Yeah, well, well, but they do they have a new iteration of it coming out? Oh, Maybe. I don't know. But I've just seen it pop up several times where people are dressing up as them and they're doing like the rap and everything that he does. It's weird to see Kevin. You know, Kevin Smith has lost so much weight. Yeah. And he looks, he almost looks worse because he, he looks sickly. Yeah. He, he, he almost looks like he's about to die, even though he almost yeah. did die. He almost died of a heart attack. Right. Right. And, and that's why he lost the weight. I mean, he's healthier than ever. Yeah. But he um, yeah, he he looks he looks frail. Mm-hmm. It's the only way to put it. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't know why I think that, but he just he he almost does. Uh, this next case is tricks inside the treats, Mally. Okay. We all know that some people take the trick part a lot more seriously than the treat. Usually, these pranksters are teenagers and kids. But on Halloween night in 1959, a dentist—you can't trust dentists. <laughs> uh, a dentist, William V. Shine, uh, decided to give out tricks with his treats. The trick, by the way, was that Shine bought candy-coated laxatives and gave them out oh. to roughly 450 very unlucky trick-or-treaters. This is where this trick comes from. 
What an ass. <laughs> well, there God. was ass involved, yes. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Although laxatives aren't deadly, 30 of the children actually did eat the candy and got violently sick. Authorities were able to narrow the cause of the illness and track the laxatives back to Shine. He was charged with multiple crimes, including outrage of public decency and unlawful dispensing of drugs. He never gave a reason for handing out the laxatives. Because he's a dentist, that's why. What an ass. <laughs> God. And yes, it is, a, it is a crime, folks, if you give out chocolate-covered laxatives. Probably like child endangerment. But in 1959, that wasn't a charge. Oh, true. Yeah, true. Today it would be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you'd get a, you'd get individual counts of child endangerment. Wow. Yeah. Let's talk about murderous pastor John Douglas White. In the early hours of October 31st, 2012, former pastor John Douglas White crept into the home of his 24-year-old Rebecca Gay with nefarious intentions. He had been self-reportedly watching necrophilia videos Ugh. and increasingly becoming obsessed with his neighbor. Oh, God. Sounds like a great guy. Ugh. White hit Gay in the head with a mallet and strangled her with zip ties before undressing her. Allegedly, he didn't go through with his plan, but only because he physically couldn't, so he disposed of the body. Tragically, Gay had a three-year-old son who was in the trailer the entire time. <gasps> yeah. In a creepy turn of events, White didn't feel comfortable leaving the boy alone and cared for him throughout the day, even dressing him in his Halloween costume before his dad oh, picked him up. He's going to be scarred. Yeah. White was sentenced to 56 years in prison. I can't think of more time mm. that... Well, I can't think of more time that he deserved. can't think of right. less time that he deserved than 56 years. Probably should have got 100. Yeah, that is and that just, poor child just being right there. Oh, my God. Um, let's see here. Let's do one or two more here. Um, this one has to do with a chainsaw prankster, Mally. Okay. Well, I'm not saying you're the chainsaw prankster. I'm just saying <laughs> it has to do with a chainsaw prankster. Uh, although, if you choose to do that tonight, by all means, go ahead. <laughs> uh, some people always take their Halloween spirit a bit too far. We all know the houses. The ones where you never know if a guy in a rocking chair is real or a decoration. I talked about this last week with Bruiser. We had, uh, on our, as kids in Ham Lake, we had the Rankins. Uh-huh. The Rankins did their house up so scary that you didn't know what was real in their yard and what was fake. Okay. And now keep in mind, this was the late 70s, early 80s. Mm-hmm. And Mr. Rankin was always in the yard somewhere. And he was dressed up, so you would have. And he was a, he was a he was a car mechanic, so he had animatronic stuff that he made. Okay, which was really cool. But mm-hmm. then he had then then there was him, and you had to figure out which one was him because he would <laughs> he would give you a scare when you came to the door. And right, we didn't have kid sized diapers at that time, so you just <laughs> had to bring an extra pair of underwear and throw it in the woods because uh, he would scare the holy crap out of you. <laughs> it, it was that house. It was right. it was a lot to pay, but they gave out full size candy bars. Uh-huh. So you paid the price, Mally. Right. Yeah. It was a good house, though. It was mm-hmm. it was it was the house. I'll tell you that. We had a house in town where it was two sisters and a brother. 
they lived there that none of them married, but they believed they were very uh, into spiritualism. Mm -hmm. And when the one sister passed away, they kept her body on the front porch. So people drove (gasps) by thinking she was alive. Yeah. What? Yeah. Yeah. There's like these news articles and all that stuff that we have in town. And I think it happened in July or June because there was a parade that went by of like high schoolers. Because this house is kind of by the high school. And yeah, it was sitting out there when they were all going by. Or was uh, it the Christmas parade? I can't remember. It was one of the parades that we have in town. Uh, yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. It was. <laughs> Could you imagine being a neighbor? <laughs> yeah. I forget when it happened. Uh-huh. I think it was like the 80s. I don't know. I'll have to find the article because I saved it on my phone. Because I was like, wow. But because they still have relatives alive, like no one really talks about it. Uh, yeah don't want uh, don't want bad will between neighbors (laughs) yeah yeah but yeah once in a while the story will pop up on facebook but yeah she sat on her front porch (laughs) (laughs) i just love it it's got weird stuff (laughs) go up and have a talk with her just sit and talk for a while yeah so how's your day (laughs) you know this weather's Mighty chilly. My joints are kind of stiff. <clears throat> Just saying. Yeah. Oh, oh, the chainsaw prankster. That, that's where we were. God, you threw me off with that, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, my God. Yep. Oh, all right. <laughs> I, uh, yeah. Is that in this state or a different one? Michigan. It's in my town. Oh, that I live okay. In. All right. It figures it's Michigan. I was going to say yeah. in Minnesota, they never put up with that. <laughs> yeah. Michigan. Okay. I get it. Yeah. I get it. Gotta love the suburbs of Detroit. Yep. <laughs> a little different there. A little different. Yep. Yep. I know I'm not coming to visit you. <laughs> All right. So some people always take their Halloween spirit a bit too far. It sounds like your neighbors have done that too. Uh, we all know the houses, the ones where you never know if the guy in a rocking chair is real or decoration or dead, or if that life-size coffin will have a hand reach out. Frank Elba took this to a whole new level when he decided to dress in a bloody apron with a real chainsaw and hide it in the bushes on Halloween of 2011. He knew he was in the direct path of kids coming home from trick-or-treating, and sure enough, a group soon walked by. Alba jumped out of the bushes and revved the chainsaw, sending the children screaming. Unfortunately, 12-year-old Leslie Garcia ran into a busy road and was hit by a car. (gasps) Oh. Yikes. The family sued as the girls sustained permanent injuries and trauma, but the results of the lawsuit were unclear. Yikes. Yeah. I thought you were going to say one of them got injured with the chainsaw if he had a real chainsaw. Uh, no. Because it sounds like it wasn't very smart. It wasn't like the fake ones or where the chain just doesn't move. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No. Like, I didn't think that through very well. That's the, no, no, no. Yeah, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. It, you're, you're, you're right. Uh, let's see here. There's, uh, let me see, we, we've got time for, I think, one more here before we go to Dumb Crimes and Stupid Criminals. Let's end it on a, should we end it on a down note? <laughs> <laughs> we could talk about the Wood, Woodbridge abductions, which we haven't talked about yet. In 2009, three teenage girls were abducted by a man on their way home from trick-or-treating in Woodbridge, Virginia. A little high note to end on, Mally, as you think about <laughs> trick-or-treating tonight. 
Uh, all three were taken at gunpoint to a wooded area, and the two were sexually assaulted. Oh. The third girl was able to call her mo- mother, causing the man to flee. Police arrested Aaron Thomas, who was already a suspect in numerous sexual assault cases since the 1990s. Thomas pleaded guilty to the crime in 2012. Let me see if I can find one more here. Um, there was also Pasadena gang shootings in 1993 on Halloween night. Mm-hmm. A group of five Pasadena gang members opened fire on trick-or-treating teenagers returning from a party, killing three and wounding three others. The gang members were soon arrested, and police determined they had fired at the wrong people. How would you like that? Happy Halloween to you, too. The three bloods were found guilty of the crime, by the way, in that uh, shooting in 1993. And on Halloween of 2011, Taylor Van Deest was leaving a party in the small town of Armstrong, Canada. We'll we'll end it with a Canadian. um, Okay. Canadian story. She never came home and was found beaten to death near a set of railroad tracks. The event traumatized the town especially after it was revealed that she'd sent a text to her boyfriend before the attack saying she was being creeped on. Oh, police eventually used DNA found under Taylor's fingernails to arrest Matthew Forster for carrying out the deed and his father, Stephen for helping him cover. Uh. That is creepy. That's for sure. So that's, just some of the things, Mally, and there's more, believe it or not. We, we haven't even gotten into all of them, but that's some of the crimes that have happened on Halloween. So with that in mind, tonight we want you to be very safe out there mm-hmm. for Halloween. Uh, things do happen on Halloween. Crimes do happen on Halloween, and we want you to be very careful out there for Halloween. We want you to come home. Come home safe with lots of candy. With that in mind, it's time now for us to lighten things up a bit. It's time now for us to... Check in with Dumb Crimes and Stupid Criminals. It's, it's Crayon News Storytime. What happened with this dude, Christ Bearer? I heard he uh, cut his penis off and then jumped off a balcony. Suspect pulls gun from butt, shoots twice at Denver police. What is your emergency? I don't know. And what's the problem? I'm too high. You're too high? Yeah. Well, Mally, no need to introduce again, because normally I would introduce you coming into Dumb Crime Stupid Criminal, so we'll just tell you that we're going to keep the Halloween theme going. Cool. Yeah. Um, <laughs> now, you've gone all out, I take it, with the Halloween decorations on the front Yes. Line? Yes. And in fact, we were very happy because our town has this house beautification awards, which we normally don't get. But mm-hmm. for Halloween, <laughs> we're always on it. <laughs> oh, yeah. There you go. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so it's it's fun. We it's it's very cute because I'll come outside and there are people taking photos and stuff and little kids asking me to turn on all the animatronics and, you know, Aww. how do things work and yeah. all that stuff. So it's a lot of fun. And we get full size candy bars away. So look at you. So, I know. So go all out. You're the house on the block that, that yeah. does it up. Okay. Yeah. There you go. Actually, my town gets very involved with Halloween. So a lot of houses. There are houses that are better than mine, but yeah. What? I can't I yeah. can't imagine that. Really? I I know. I, I hate to say it, but yeah, this town, I mean, I love it. This town really gets into it. But yeah, there are houses that are better than mine. Surprisingly. I don't have too much up this year uh, mm-hmm. for Halloween. Um, but I will tell you a funny 
Quick, quick little funny story about Halloween uh-huh. decorations. Our first story today actually starts out with stolen Halloween decorations. Someone is a Halloween Grinch. Oh, you got a few, a few of those. Yep. Yeah. Um, so I, I just have a few things out for Halloween this year. One of them I picked up at Target the other day, and it's just the cutest little Halloween dog skeleton, a little tiny okay. dog skeleton, right? Uh-huh. So I thought it would be funny just to put it out to see how the chipmunks react to it. Right. You know, maybe it's like, maybe chipmunks have Halloween too. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, like they look at this <laughs> yeah. tiny little uh, tiny dog skeleton and they go, woo, you know, and then they get a little scare out of it. They didn't care. Oh. Um, but I found an animal that did get freaked out by it and I laughed my silly ass off. <laughs> so, uh, yes, was it yesterday or Saturday? I think it was Saturday. I was sitting on the couch. And um, I was I was reading this this book that we're going to uh, talk about on uh, Thursday's show, which has to do with AI. Okay. Okay. And the ramifications of AI. I know mm-hmm. I'm going scary spooky this week on myself. Um, and so, uh, and Nadia Udin is our, our guest on Thursday, and it's her new book. And so I'm reading the book on Saturday, <clears throat> and. All of a sudden, I hear up against the window on the door, ba-dum, 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 ba-dum. Mm-hmm. and I see the squirrel pulling a Kramer, and it's, it's, <laughs> and it's fl- flailing around and hitting right. my window because it saw the little dog, the little dog skeleton. It oh. thought it was trying to compete with it for, for the, the nuts that were laying there, the little treats uh-huh. for, the, for the chipmunks. Um, so he thought the little dog skeleton was real. Oh. Yeah, so the squirrel got freaked out. And this squirrel is jacked, Mally. I know who's been eating the seeds besides the chipmunks. Oh, he's a big one. Oh. He looks like the Arnold Schwarzenegger of, of right. squirrels. Yeah. Yeah. He's got like a 19-inch neck. Uh-huh. We have a lot of squirrels, but every year we try to find something that's going to keep them from eating our pumpkins that we carve. Oh, yeah. Because like right now, two of our pumpkins don't have a face anymore. It's like they ate like the... <laughs> <laughs> it's just a big old hole oh, in the middle no. of the pumpkin. Yeah. And we've tried bleaching them. We've tried this year. We heard that if you spray it with perfume or cologne. Yeah. Nope. Doesn't stop them. Really? Oh, they're, they're just going to town. Jeez. Well, I know yeah. they're, they're really hungry this year. I, what the, I know with our chipmunks, they, they were, they were really storing it away this year because it's supposed to be a warm winter. So, yeah. Yeah. So they're, they're going to town on everything. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I've gone through a lot of money in seed this year. So, yeah, they. Uh, but it's it's because they're they're storing up for winter. It's it's going to be uh, it's going to be I think a long warm winter this year. So, mm. yeah. But having to do with Halloween decorations now, there is a a Jason and a scary clown out there among huge Halloween decorations that were stolen from a Raleigh, North Carolina neighborhood, known for extreme displays. Okay. This Halloween Grinch. Uh, thousands of dollars worth of Halloween decorations were stolen from homes in Raleigh's Oakwood neighborhood, according to attorney Jesse Jones, who kind of sounds like a porn star, if you ask me. Yeah, it does. <laughs> Jesse Jones. I got a porn star <laughs> representing me in my spare time in court. Uh, the Raleigh neighborhood, known for show-stopping Halloween decorations, was stunned to wake Friday to a loss. Now, if you remember last week, folks, we had when we had Bruiser on. Mrs. Bruiser found us a story about a dead man on a lawn who was mistaken for a Halloween decoration. Yes, and then he got motor like they mowed around him. Yes, yeah, yes, yeah. She brought that to us as it was discovered. 
<laughs> we were taping and she goes, y'all ain't going to believe this. Although she's from Wisconsin. I don't know where she got the accent from. <laughs> um, but she brought us a story as it was happening. Um, and now they've got issues with, with theft. And Halloween decorations are not cheap. No. They're expensive. That that twelve foot skeleton or whatever at uh, Home Depot, three hundred bucks. Yep, it, it's expensive stuff. Mm-hmm. And animatronic. Oh, okay, so the uh, Raleigh neighborhood, for, known for show stopping Halloween decorations, was stunned awake Friday to a loss. An animatronic Jason of Friday the Thirteenth fame and a custom made clown were among the items stolen from the home of attorney Jesse Jones, known simply as the Oakwood House, for its elaborate Halloween display. They took Crouchy the Clown, Jones said, of the items stolen. <laughs> do, you, do you have a Crouchy the Clown there at home? No. No? Okay. Nope. This year it's uh, Beetlejuice themed. Oh, Beetlejuice themed. Mm-hmm. Ooh, that's timely. Mm-hmm. If, if they ever get the SAG uh, um, strike done, they'll get that movie done. Yep. Yeah. So you can use it for two years probably. Yep. We're going to. We're going to expand next year. Yeah, I see. Uh, they took a Pennywise I had made for me as well. Oh, ooh, she had a Pennywise made for her. Mm. Or he. I, I don't know which one. I, I shouldn't. I shouldn't disparage. Uh, they took two killer clowns from out of space. It says here, I think outer space. I think they didn't type that right. They took two killer clowns from outer space. They took Jason. Did Jones they have said. a moving truck? Because <laughs> these aren't small, right. small things. Right. You need a lot of room to shove that in your car. Yeah, you would think they would have heard the beeping from the U-Haul yeah, when they backed up. Exactly. Or the door when you open it up. Yeah. That big lo- that, loud noise. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, when they open it up. Yeah. <laughs> Jones estimates the thieves took about $3,000 worth of Halloween decorations at night. Dang. Oh, somebody's a sound sleeper. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, he said several of his neighbors who also got or go all out with decorations had items stolen as well. They must have brought a semi in. Yeah. Mm. Well, you know what? If it was like an Amazon Prime truck, no one would have looked twice. Yeah, that's true. Well, in the middle they do of the those night, early though. deliveries like at five in the morning. Oh, true, true. There's not a resale value for these unless you pop them on Facebook Marketplace. Well, that's probably where they went, son. And somebody picks them up, Jones said. I don't understand what the purpose is unless they want a big Halloween house for themselves. Well, duh. <laughs> yeah, and you better live like five towns over. <laughs> yeah, true, true. Uh, Raleigh police are asking anyone who had Halloween decorations stolen to report it to them. They targeted and took the good stuff, Jones said. They didn't mess with the stuff that was cheaper. Well, who steals the cheap stuff? <laughs> You're going to risk stealing Halloween decorations and take the cheap stuff? Mm-hmm. They took the high-end stuff, so they knew what they were doing. Well, of course they did. The Oakwood Halloween House, located at 504 Oakwood Avenue, in case you need anything last minute. <laughs> <laughs> it's a year-round. Christmas shopping. Yeah, that's right. It's a year-round delight. Uh, adorned nearly all year long, it boasts a, a life-size velociraptor guarding the front porch. So that's the hardest one to get away with. <laughs> Just saying. Uh, when Halloween arrives, they go all out. Expect dinosaurs, dragons, gothic gargoyles, scary statues. You need any of this, Mally? <laughs> <laughs> I'm good for right now. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, and an entire yard brimming with Halloween delights. This is our tradition, said Kelly Hodges, who was visiting the display on Friday. We come over here every Halloween and look at the fun. Aw. Um, 
believe this is Tammy Helton. She spells it with one M. Oh. Oh, the thief's got the other M. (laughs) Who also visited the display on Friday reiterated the same sentiments. Um, It's disappointing, not kind and sad, because it's disrespecting their work and appreciating what they've brought to the community. Really? They, They just put some decorations up in the yard yeah Yeah. hodges said not to steal from people well that's true don't steal it's not nice i think it's terrible hodges said just absolutely brutal but it sounds to me like the high-priced lawyer can probably go get more yeah i'd like to think it probably went to a less fortunate family well hopefully but still yeah i mean not like there's a halloween decoration robin hood out there but yeah Divvying up the yeah the decorations to the less fortunate, and this one goes to you, Fassa. Yes, yeah. <laughs> please, sir, may I have some more. I know it's a different movie, yeah. but still, please, sir, can I have the three hundred dollar <laughs> twelve foot skeleton for my yard? <laughs> please, sir. Yeah, I somehow don't think it's going down like that, but yeah, yeah. Our next story is Halloween based as well, um, although. The Moscow Times wants to jump around on me. Uh, the next one has to do with... I can get to it. There we go. Nope. I guess not. They don't... They, The Russian propaganda is jumping around on me here, Molly. Um, mm. I'm trying to get to the story about how... Gosh darn it. Well, essentially, there's an entire town in Russia that's canceling Halloween because it's, uh, it's, it's promoting uh, Satanism. What? So a Siberian region is banning Halloween festivities at their schools. A Far East Russian Republic of Saka or Yakutia has banned Halloween celebrations at schools across the region, according to local media. Saka's deputy education minister, which I believe is Alevtina Argunova, uh, circulated a letter to school principals demanding that they cancel all Halloween celebrations in classrooms, that according to the news website Saka Day. Uh, instead, Argunova was said to have encouraged school administrations to replace Halloween activities with those that strengthen spiritual moral values, develop ideas of patriotism, and preserve historical heritage. It was not immediately possible to verify the letter's authenticity, but Russia's state-run news agency, RIA Novosti uh, said it confirmed the ban with the regional education ministry. While Halloween is not widely celebrated in Russia, some officials have waged a war against the holiday amid the country's turn towards conservative and religious values. Saka's ban on school Halloween celebrations comes amid other controversy surrounding the holiday. Schools in a handful of Russia's Regions plan to replace Halloween with pumpkin-themed religious festivities, prompting warnings from Orthodox priests that pumpkins are not associated with Jesus. <laughs> so Jesus never had a gourd. <sighs> yeah. So there he be. <laughs> so yeah, no, no, no pumpkins. It's against the law, mm. and no, no Halloween. It's against the law. It's always got to be a party pooper. Yeah, that's for sure. That is for sure. Uh, let's see here. We move on. That uh, 
Boy, my uh, my stories just don't want to pop up here today. That's what she said. Oh, yo. <laughs> I thought the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> this Florida man alleged, as I go through puberty, this Florida man says, you can't take me to jail. He allegedly lied to get his ex-wife's new boyfriend in trouble with the law, but got himself arrested instead. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah. An ex-husband in Florida uh, tried to get his ex-wife's new beau in legal trouble, but the effort boomeranged on him, and now he's been charged with two crimes instead, according to authorities. 44-year-old Rasheel Business now stands accused of one count of each of making a false report of a commission of a non-existent crime and resisting an officer by obstructing without violence, according to Palm Beach County Court and jail records reviewed by Law and Crime. The underlying issue appears to be a child custody dispute. The latest incident occurred on Tuesday, according to a probable cause affidavit obtained by Law and Crime. That day, Bisneth uh, called the sheriff's office to report a threat against him, a deputy wrote in the court filing. Upon arrival, Bisneth presented me with two messages that he stated were sent from his phone on his or to his iPad. The affidavit reads, Bisneth presented a message that read, I will kill your kids before they turn old. Uh. What age is that anyways? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, After reading the concerning message, I questioned the origins of the text. Business stated the text came from his ex-wife's new boyfriend. He allegedly did not maintain that story for very long. (laughs) After talking with Business, it was related that Business actually created the threatening messages and texted to himself in hopes of getting law enforcement to go to his ex-wife's residence. The affidavit read, after that alleged uh, confession, Deputies moved to arrest Bisneth, but he allegedly protested and attempted to pull away from the deputies while saying, you can't take me to jail. And this just supports the reason why she divorced him. Right, right. Because he's, he's not all there. Yeah. Oh, Lordy. I assisted Bisneth to the ground, which is nice cop speak for get down. <laughs> it sounds like you have a speech impediment, like a lisp when you say his name. Bisneth? Yeah, like it's supposed <laughs> yeah. to say business. Yeah, you all up in my business, Mally. <laughs> Why don't you get out of my business? <laughs> business. Uh, it does, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I'm handling my business over here. God, no, it does. I can't get it out of my head. I got a problem with business. I got a degree in business from the University of Phoenix. <laughs> What's your degree in uh. business? <laughs> Boy, that doesn't make me feel insecure at all. Business. <laughs> I assisted business. <laughs> now I'm saying it wrong. Right? <laughs> I can't say his name right. I assisted business to the ground, to the, to the ground, um, where he was then. <laughs> Where he then placed his, I can't read now, where he then placed his hands under his stomach in an attempt to further resist his detainment, the deputy wrote in the probable cause affidavit. (laughs) Business. He was arrested late that night, booked and released from the jail the next day. His arraignment is slated for November 30th. The recent incident is not the first time business has allegedly caused his own grief by asking law enforcement for help. In June, Business was charged with one count of misuse of the 911 system, a probable cause affidavit in a separate case. 
once I made contact with, with business at his residence. <laughs> it was it was not business 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 <laughs> that they called him at. It was his residence. <laughs> Boy, that's a tongue twister. He stated not verbatim that he needed help with a child custody issue and he was having that he was having with his wife. The June affidavit reads. I questioned Bisneth on whether or not he was told that calling 911 was for emergencies only. And if PS or PBSO communications instructed him to use the non-emergency line, Bisneth admitted he was told about three to four times not to dial 911 for non-emergency issues, such as his concern over how to get custody of his child, the document read. So he was told quite a bit, don't call 911 over child mm-hmm. custody issues. The call history revealed that Bisneth had dialed 911 a total of six times today, the sheriff's office said. He was not arrested for the 911 misuse incident. That earlier case was dismissed in pretrial uh, after business paid a $150 fine to cover the cost of prosecution. So he's just kind of a pain in the butt. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm getting here. Let's see here. I'm I'm not... uh, The story that I want to come up won't come up. That's a Jesus. (laughs) It's too bad because it's kind of a good story. It, I had a story here about being arrested for for getting the wrong coffee. What? Yeah. Like they got upset that they got the wrong coffee? A woman in her 40s was sentenced to three months in prison over the wrong order at a coffee shop. Yeah, let me see if I can bring this up. Yeah, a woman in her 40s was sentenced to three months in prison over the wrong order at a coffee shop. <laughs> now, if we all... If we all made this mistake, we'd all be doing time. Mm-hmm. But but here's the funny story about it. I, I don't know if it's funny, but the woman actually verbally abused the cafe employee. She also entered the beverage preparation area without permission. Oh. So she was, uh, I think, what we call a Karen, right? Yeah. Yeah. A woman in her 40s was brought to court for causing a scene at a cafe just because she received the wrong drink. There's There's etiquette here, you know? Yeah, I yeah. felt bad for coffee baristas because yeah. they just get abused oh, by yeah. customers. They do, yeah. People don't have, I shouldn't say people in general. There's a there's a section of the population that just doesn't have etiquette. Mm-hmm. They just don't have manners. I always play a game. I always wonder what name they're going to put on my cup. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's never right. So I'm always like, oh, what am I, who am I today? <laughs> what? <laughs> what do you generally give them for for do you give them Mally or what do I you give them? them Mally, but yeah. sometimes I just get like weird ones. It's just like what's the I weirdest don't know. what's the weirdest one you've gotten lately? Um, lately, you know what? Nothing lately, other than I get Molly a lot. Oh yeah, yeah. but remember when we were back in the day when people would call and they would call me like Natalie. They would call mm-hmm. like Mallory, mm-hmm. like all of these names. I'm like, what the hell? They, they, <laughs> they still do. I, yeah. I, I still get emails. I can't wait for you to have Molly back on. I don't know who that is, but sure. I can't right. wait to have her. I mean, either. I can kind of understand Molly, but yeah. 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 When it's, when it has more than two syllables, I'm like, where'd yeah. you get that from? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Molly, Mallory, um, um, what was the other one that, that that one guy kept calling me Natalie, but he like made a point of saying my name. Yes. Yeah. When we were interviewing him and we were all laughing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah <laughs> just yeah. kept going. Yep. Natalie. <laughs> yep. Huh? Who? Who's Natalie? We invited a second person in the studio. 
Yeah, no, it, it, I, that's an interesting game. Uh, although I, I got to admit that sometimes I'll say Tim and I won't hit the T in Tim just to see what they'll say or what they'll uh-huh. put on. They'll put Jim on there. Gotcha. What's so loud in there, too? I'm yeah. surprised, yeah. you know, that they don't get more misspelled names or misused, missaid names or whatever. Because yeah. it is loud. It is hard to hear in there. Yeah. Uh, according to News 1 on the 25th, Judge Hyo Jin Kim, who probably has the wrong thing put on his coffee cup a lot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, uh, of the Guangzhou District Court sentenced a 42 to sentenced, it says a 42 to three months in prison uh, for obstruction of business, public duties, assault and insult. The media reported a uh, they must be withholding her name was charged with verbally abusing and assaulting employee B 25 at a cafe in Donggu. Guangzhou, which must be in a foreign country, I'm guessing. None of those in America, I'm guessing. Uh, Around 2.10 p.m. on April 8th, A is known to have hurled abuses at B, saying things like, open your eyes and can't you understand what I'm saying? I know a lot of scary guys. Uh, That's kind of icky. That's a threat, yeah. Yeah, it is. In addition, especially in a coffee shop, I mean, I know a lot of scary guys, uh, okay, that are going to do what? Come in and order coffee? Yeah, and most of the time it's young adults working there, too. Yeah. It's like their first job. Leave them alone. Yeah, exactly. In addition, A caused a scene for about 10 minutes, pulling down B's mask and entering the drink preparation area without permission. A's rampage did not end there. She was also charged with assault and insult. For biting the calf of police officer C, who responded to the report <laughs> and kicking him. Oh my God. Oh, someone's got that it. one needs professional help. Yeah. In front of other customers, she seriously insulted the police officer, saying, May all your family become disabled. Ah. Yeah. Nice, nice person. <clears throat> the reason A caused a scene at the cafe was revealed during the police investigation. The kiosk malfunctioned and she received a different drink from the one she ordered, which led to an incident. Uh, In addition, it was confirmed that a was sentenced to one year, six months in prison and three years of probation for obstruction of public duties at the end of 2021. The court explained it's inevitable to sentence her to prison as she committed another crime during probation. However, we considered her age, behavior, means, and methods of crime and the fact that she deposited money for the victims. Meanwhile, those who assault or threaten public officials performing their duties are punished for obstruction of public duties. If this is violated under the current law, they are sentenced to less than five years in prison or a fine of less than 10 million won, which is $8,400. I got this story from a listener, by the way. Just so you know. Do you think if we had stricter policies like that or consequences that maybe people wouldn't act out the way they do? Because I feel like there's no repercussions for the way that they act sometimes. Yes, most definitely. Yeah. Yes, if we had uh, if we had laws like that, decency mm-hmm. laws, we wouldn't have Florida. <laughs> <laughs> God, our prisons and jails would be over. They would just be so crowded. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> We'd be releasing murderers <laughs> to give space. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> take up space for the the uh, idiots that the, are socially. Oh my god! Yeah, the impre- improper people oh. on the street. Mm-hmm. Although, Mally, as I say that, then I'm looking at a story from Taiwan. Okay. Uh, yeah, having to do with 
a gun-wielding grandma in Taiwan who's setting off panic as it turns out she was pointing a BB pistol at macaques. At what? Macaques, birds. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. A gun-wielding grandma with a BB pistol pointing them at macaques. Isn't that sweet? (laughs) I don't know. An elderly woman was recently spotted waving a gun on a street in Taiwan, sparking public concern. An image was shared onto Street Observation Academy Facebook page on Tuesday, October 24th, of a grandma holding a pistol in public, according to Taiwan News. The now-deleted post, which was taken at a residential area of Kaohsiung City's Gushan District, showed an an elderly woman with an apron and bandana (laughs) waving a gun. I somehow imagine that's how an octogenarian gangster dresses with an apron and a bandana. (laughs) She's a member of the Bloods or the Crips. This is, this Mally is what she looks like. Oh, geez. (laughs) Looks like she has her house shoes on. She does. She's got her house shoes on. House slippers. (laughs) She's got to, well, she's got to be comfortable. Grandma's got to be comfortable when she's popping a cap in that ass. Just saying. Uh, The post soon went viral in Taiwan, causing some measure of panic with others alerting police. (laughs) I think they should man up and just go take the gun away from her. Yeah, I think so. The Kaohsiung City Police Department subsequently found out that the elderly woman who owns a restaurant was using a BB gun to chase macaques away from her eatery. The windows of the toilet have been damaged by the macaques. They even bring garbage from the streets into the eatery and make a mess, the elderly woman told SET News, S-E-T News, uh, as her restaurant is situated in the vicinity of the macaques' habitat. The grandma said that the wild animals smell the scent of her food and often invade the premises. That just means she's cooking good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hence, she had to get a BB gun to stop the macaques from coming to her restaurant. She's popping a cap on that macaque. (laughs) (laughs) The police revealed that the gun was not loaded at the time, so she's just waving it. I don't know. Police in the, or rather people in the area, please don't worry and thank you for your concern, the police added. Since macaques are not protected animals, the police mentioned that there was no suspicion of illegality on the part of the owner. She's waving a gun. Yeah. Even if it's a BB gun and not loaded, still, you don't know that. That's right. That's right. She, but Grandma's serious on this now. <laughs> Those damn macaques. She's, she's I gonna... wonder how many times she's been warned not to do that. I think this is not her first offense. No, I think it's a daily thing. <laughs> <laughs> she does it probably four times a day. Yeah. She's out there popping a cap in a macaque. We move on, Mally, to San Francisco, where okay. this guy is probably popping a few caps and macaques, too. Oh, jeez. A San Francisco vigilante cowboy demands a free cheeseburger after stopping an alleged $2 heist. <laughs> okay. That's right. I'll show, actually, let me show you the picture of him before I go on. It's, it's only for Mally's eyes only. What do you think, San Francisco cowboy, huh? Yeah. He looks like he's from the 80s. He does, doesn't he? That looks like an 80s picture because yeah, his hair and everything. He's never aged. He's, uh, he's 40, well, he's probably 60 years old now, and he's never... Probably wearing short shorts and uh, the soft, or the baseball tube socks. This, doesn't he, look like, doesn't he look like he's starred in Urban Cowboy? Yeah, 
He kind of <laughs> looks like uh, Rob Lowe. He does, doesn't he? Yeah. Like Rob Lowe in Urban Cowboy. <laughs> He's on Atkins and he loves it. Just saying. Uh, San Francisco vigilante who brands himself as the Chinatown cowboy on the internet. God, <laughs> that's going to give him a lot of fans. Is rallying for a boycott of a downtown diner contending that he chased down a thief who held up the restaurant and the ungrateful staff denied him even a cheeseburger as a reward. Aw. The diner's owner, meanwhile, says the theft mounted to $2 and calls the ensuing social media firestorm, which is harming her business, insane. The self-proclaimed cowboy, Darren Stallcup, ask for him by name, <laughs> who's known for posting videos of the drug and homelessness crisis is, and using GoFundMe donations to move out of the tenderloin and take a vacation to Brazil... Oh, my gosh. Yeah, he's got to go fund me for that? Yes, he's got to go fund oh. me for that. Said he chased the thief from a mile from the Pinecrest Diner. The thief, Stalkup added, threw hundreds of dollars stolen from the diner at him during the chase. Well, that's more than $2. Yeah, that's a little more than $2. Though he did not recover the thrown money, Stalkup said he caught the thief in front of the Powell Street BART station, B-A-R-T station, uh, on October 15th and returned to the Pinecrest Diner the following day to ask for a reward in the form of a cheeseburger. He said that his request for the burger was denied. <laughs> now, if you're the Sounds restaurant... Like the owner's a cheapskate. Yeah, if you're the, the restaurant owner, Mally, do you just give him the cheeseburger just to squash things? Yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I would be grateful. Yeah. I mean, at least you've got a cowboy out there protecting you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> However, the restaurant's owner, Sylvia Foundas... Uh, says Stalkup's recollection of the events is distorted and his Twitter X campaign against the local family-owned restaurant is now inciting harassment and unwarranted negative reviews. My employees are getting harassed because of him, Foundus said. He's putting false information out there and it really makes me question his motives and his agenda. Stalkup did, in fact, stop somebody from stealing money from the business, he, she said, but the robber was a homeless person who stole $2 in tip money from a table. She said when Stalkup returned to the restaurant, he asked an employee who wasn't aware of the incident and speaks very little English for a cheeseburger. The employee reportedly told Stalkup to return another time to speak with a manager. When Stalkup returned for the second time, again demanding a cheeseburger and a thank you, he started yelling at the restaurant's workers and threatened to destroy the business on social media. <laughs> Boy, this sounds like a big reach between one side and the other, doesn't yeah. it? So, I still would have given him a cheeseburger just to shut him up. Yeah, exactly. But Don't then, need any negative publicity. But, even if it was $2 or $100, just give him a cheeseburger. But then again, if you feed him, does he come back and ask for more? Uh, well, at least it puts out the fire for right now. <laughs> yeah, true, true. According to Foundus, he came in like a lunatic and wanted to talk to a manager. It's one thing to be a hero in your mind, but it was only $2, she says. Foundus says she, she's considering legal action against Stalkup to prevent him from spreading more misinformation about her business. Stalkup accused the business of trying to sweep the incident under the rug and said he stands by his recollection that the thief ran out of the diner with a fistful of cash. Everyone and their moms knows I stopped the robbery at the Pinecrest Diner and I'm out here starving, Stalkup told the Standard near the diner on Friday. 
San Francisco police confirmed a man was arrested on suspicion of petty theft on October 15th near Powell Street Station and said he was detained by BART police after boarding a train in connection with stealing cash from a restaurant's table. Police said multiple witnesses at the scene identified the suspect. Uh, Stalkup, who has around 15,600 followers on X, drew criticism online in June after he used part of the over $7,000 in GoFundMe donations he raised to move out of the troubled Tenderloin neighborhood to go on vacation in Rio de Janeiro. He now lives in the sunset. So he's in a better part of town, but he also wanted to go to Rio. Right. Yeah. His priority is a little bit off. A little bit. In an interview with the Standard, Stalkup defended the decision to go on vacation, arguing that his mental health had suffered from living in the Tenderloin. <laughs> Stalkup previously lived in Chinatown before moving to the Tenderloin. So, like the Jeffersons, Mally, he's moving on up. <laughs> That's right. So, there you go. Uh, let's move on here. We're going back to Florida, where a... F- <laughs> First of all, let me ask you this before I read this headline. Um, do you have a lot of people in your life who are too chatty? Yes, I'm married to one. Okay, <laughs> how, how do you shut down Mr. Fox when he's too chatty? I zone, I, uh, yeah, he just, I just let him go. <laughs> I just zone out. I have a new solution. Or I change the subject somehow. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, I have a new solution for you. It might get you arrested, but I have a new solution for you. Oh, great. <laughs> A Florida woman sprays an elderly woman in the face with water because she would not stop talking. Like a cat? <laughs> yes, like a cat. It, it get got, off the counter. It will get you arrested, though. Do you know why? Why? It's assault. Really? Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Uh, we go to Marion County, Florida, where a Florida woman was has found herself behind bars after allegedly spraying an elderly woman in the face with water and knocking her out of her wheelchair. That part's really assault. Uh, because she would not stop talking, according to the Marion County Sheriff's Office. Christine Hunter, otherwise known as the elder abuser, uh, was arrested and charged with domestic battery after the incident that unfolded in Marion County on Thursday, according to an arrest affidavit. Deputies responded to a domestic disturbance involving the 61-year-old woman and another woman. The relationship between Hunter and the victim remains unclear, but the incident was domestic in nature, according to deputies. Hunter told deputies she and the other woman were in an argument that stemmed from the night before where law enforcement was also called. Boy, so it's a repeat offender. The victim was found inside on the floor next to her wheelchair, the report said. She said Hunter pushed her chair and knocked it over. Hunter, however, said the woman fell while trying to hit her. God. Uh, The woman also said Hunter sprayed her with water. When asked why, Hunter said it's because she would not stop talking. You are no better than the dogs, Hunter reportedly told the woman. (laughs) Do you spray your dogs with water when they won't stop barking? No. (laughs) I just yell, knock it off. (laughs) Yeah. Hunter was arrested and transported to the Marion County Jail, where she remains held on $2,000 bond. Wow. This one is also Halloween-related. Okay. Uh, kids, when you're out there tonight, uh, we got a couple of, uh, of uh, candy-related stories here, and then we've got our, our not-safe-for-work stories to end dumb crime, stupid criminals today. Two candy stories to think about tonight. Okay. When you're out there trick-or-treating, 
be very careful when you open up your bag to read the label. Do you know why, Mally? Peanut allergies? That's one. Very okay. good one. Very good one. We were talking about peanut allergies last week on the show. The other one is because your Kit Kat could read Kush Cat. Eh. Uh, okay. And it may be inedible. <gasps> oh. That's right, folks. In more and more states, marijuana is legal. Yeah, it's legal here. Yeah. Wow. And someone may try to slip your kid some marijuana. This first story takes place in Florida, where Florida cops visit a convicted felon's home, and then they checked his stash of candy, Mally, in, in uh, parentheses. A man was arrested this week after a sneaky drug stash at his house was discovered. This according to the Hernando County Sheriff's Office. A Facebook release says deputies responded to a home Tuesday in Spring Hills outside Ocala that had been under investigation since March for possible illegal activity. When the 23-year-old resident, a convicted felon, opened the door, they were greeted with an overwhelming smell of marijuana. Whoops. Yeah. Probably shouldn't have that. The suspect admitted that there was indeed marijuana there, but that he wasn't running a grow house or a property used dedicated to producing cannabis and other narcotics. He also claimed to have a roommate, but detectives found no evidence to suggest a roommate existed. A search of the premises revealed what appeared at first to be popular candy bars, but with different names such as Kush Cat, Milky Weed, and Almond Weed, as well as Skittles, Medicated. Skittles had a Z on it. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Many of the drug items were packaged in a way to represent common everyday candy items, similar to the way they would appear in a retail store, authorities said. In total, are you ready for this, Mally? Uh Uh-huh. 24.3 pounds of marijuana, 10 ounces of powdered cocaine, 84 Xanax pills, and 90.3 pounds of hashish were uncovered. Oh, my gosh. Merry Christmas early. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. In addition. Wow. Yeah, that's a lot of drugs. In addition, deputies found two firearms. One was loaded, drug paraphernalia, and a large sum of cash. The suspect was slapped with multiple charges, including trafficking and possession by a convicted felon and held on no bond. I think if he's loaded up like that, he's ready for Halloween. What do you think? Yeah. I think so. Jeez Louise. That's a lot of candy. I didn't even know people still mess around with, with uh, hashish. Yeah, they do. Mm. Yeah, it's, uh, it takes all kinds to rule the world, evidently. One of those, you know, one of the things that's popular in the animal world now is to give your dog CBD. Yes. To not only calm the dog down if they have anxiety, but also to help with joint health. Mm-hmm. One of the things you probably shouldn't do is to give your dog THC. Yeah, I the, would think so. The other side of that. Right. Um, I believe we're going, we're going to your neck of the woods. Okay. A Michigan woman gave her dog a THC gummy. Oh. It didn't end well. Oh. A dog mauled 
their owner after being fed a THC gummy. The woman was injured during an hour-long Rottweiler attack. Oh. An hour-long. Imagine that, Mm -hmm. Mal. After feeding a THC-laced gummy to her pet Rottweiler, a Michigan woman was attacked by the dog during an hour-long ordeal that left the victim grievously injured and her home drenched in blood. Oh. Yeah. According to an incident report that reads like a horror film treatment. The attack earlier this month inside a Gaylord residence prompted local animal control officials to warn that THC, the psychoactive component in cannabis, is considered toxic to dogs and can cause aggression. Right. Yeah. Recounting the October 5th incident, the victims told officials that she gave the animal a gummy that morning and the dog subsequently came into the bathroom where she was on the toilet and ripped her off the seat. Yikes. The woman said she fought the Rottweiler for an hour before being able to lock herself in the bedroom and leave the dog running the house. The two-year-old male named Blau weighed 82 pounds and was lunging and growling and trying to bite. According to notes from a March 2023 visit to the vet, Responding to a dog attack call, animal control workers found the Rottweiler standing by a picture window in the woman's home. Upon entering the residence, the dog, which was subdued and not barking or growling, was caged by officers using a catch pole. Uh, The organization provided the incident report in response to a smoking gun freedom of information request. There was a lot of blood on the living room carpet and an adjacent hallway had an immense amount of blood on the floor and walls, an officer noted. The victim was lying face up on the bed, covered in blood and unable to stand. An extreme amount of blood was on the bed, as well as on the walls and floors. The woman was airlifted to a medical center 60 miles away where she underwent emergency surgery, was intubated and placed in the intensive care unit. A relative said the woman almost lost her right arm, adding that there was not much left of the area between her shoulder and her elbow. He turned into a Cujo. Yeah, he did. After a week in the hospital, the woman was released and began recuperating at her father's home. The man told animal control officers that his daughter was going through a bad divorce and the dog was very stressed. I think there was more going on than that. Uh, The man added that he was the one who bought the dog some gummies, apparently believing they would mellow out the canine. The cannabis-infused pomegranate gummies were recovered by investigators who attached the evidence uh, photo to the incident report. And I'm looking at them and they don't look like they're made for dogs. Yeah. Yeah. The victim's relatives sought an extreme solution to the problem with Blau, German for blue. The woman's brother-in-law wanted to come get the dog and kill it. Well, it's not the dog's fault. Exactly. They were Um, idiots thinking they could give the dog human, you know, CBD. THC. They didn't give the dog THC. Sorry, THC. They gave the dog gummies. You're right. Her estranged husband initially asked to rescue and rehabilitate Blau, but eventually asked if he could take the dog and shoot it. (gasps) Oh, my God. Ten days ago, the woman signed a form authorizing the euthanasia, euthanasian rather, of the Rottweiler. On October 16th, the woman and her parents visited the county shelter to see Blau and say goodbye. The following day, the animal was taken to the vet and humanely euthanized. They should not be allowed to have any more animals. Nope. They're not, they're not capable. 
What an idiot. Because of their decisions, a, a, right. a dog was killed. So, All right. The last two stories on Dumb Crime, Stupid Criminals today are not safe for work. And uh, so we're going to give you a couple of seconds here to turn down the volume on your listening device or put in uh, earbuds or headphones. We'll give you five, four, three, two, and here we go, Mally. Um, one of the things you don't want in your trick-or-treat bag and or pumpkin tonight, tanks of cattle semen. <laughs> Ew, oh, God. <laughs> That's the farthest from <laughs> my mind what i would think would come in my oh <laughs> that my would what bag that would that would what in your yeah. treat bag i know i had to finish the sentence there yeah, there you go um <laughs> that's right of all the things that could be stolen mally on today's oh. show dumb criminals have stolen tanks of cattle semen God, that's just awful i know we go to the uk where the only place where this this uh theft could happen Mm-hmm. Police are appealing for information of witnesses after a burglary during which two artificial insemination tanks containing cattle semen were stolen from the Ballinus Road area of, I believe it's Clogger. Clogger, you brought her. <laughs> uh, Inspector McNeil said it was reported to police that the two tanks, which contained a large quantity of cattle semen, were stolen after entry was gained to an outbuilding in the area, and it is believed that the burglary occurred sometime between 3 p.m. on Saturday, October 21st, and 1 p.m. on Monday, October 23rd. The stolen tanks and contents were of significant value, and at this time, our inquiries are ongoing as we work to establish the circumstances surrounding this theft. I would encourage anyone who might have this type of equipment or who works in this industry to be vigilant against this type of crime, particularly over the darker winter nights, because we all know how a nice warm mug of cattle semen can go down smooth on a winter night. Please review the security you have around your property and ensure any cameras are placed at entry points where access may be gained. Uh, I would also urge anyone who might have any information, including dash cam, CCTV, or other footage, to contact us on 101, quoting reference 1024 as of 102323. Do you think there's a black market for that? <laughs> I don't know who's <laughs> after it, Mally. <laughs> I don't know, but, I mean, they said it was expensive. It, or is, it was valuable. Yeah. yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know. If you like your uh, if you like your steak really rare, <laughs> <laughs> just saying. Uh, <laughs> I'm such a bad gag reaction. I'm sitting here. <laughs> you know what they say? We'll sell you the tank, but we want to take a little off the top first. Yeah, yeah just saying. Yeah. <sighs> so there you go. On that note, cattle semen taken from the UK. And our last story today on Dumb Crime, Stupid Criminals and the Not Safe for Work edition. A man. Oh, first of all, before I go any further, Mally, yes. uh, there are some people who maybe are seeking out some kinks for themselves. You know, they're they're they like it a little. They like a little variety in the bedroom. We'll put it that. Okay. Way. This man was looking for a lot of variety in the bedroom. <laughs> A lot of variety in the bedroom. Maybe some illegal variety in the bedroom. 
This man sought sex for himself and a horse. Oh. Yeah. A hooker was offered $440 for a horrid Washington threesome. Oh, my God. Yeah. This sounds like something that happened in the Civil War, but I tell you, it just happened. <laughs> oh, God. A Washington man sought to hire a prostitute for himself and his miniature horse. Oh. I always feel bad for the animals. This sounds like a joke, but it's real. Mm. So how much for me and the miniature horse? According to police who charged him with animal cruelty and patronizing a prostitute, he actually went through with this. And this is a guy who should know better. He's 48 years old. Oh. And has the name. Are you ready for this, Mally? Yeah. Jad, G-A-D, Shipman. Oh, God. That's just awful right there. <laughs> Jad Shipman was arrested last week following a vice probe involving TNA board, an online site advertising sex and escort services. Shipman resides in Longview, which a city is a, a city 40 miles north of Vancouver. As alleged in a probable cause affidavit, Shipman, using the screen name The Malamute, <laughs> offered to pay $440 to a forum user named Diane to have sexual contact with him and a miniature horse. And it's his miniature horse, by the way. Mm. Shipman also used an email address containing the phrase hot mare. Oh, God. God. Using, or that's according to a police report. Diane provided cops with copies of explicit messages sent to her by Shipman, who allegedly wrote that he wanted to watch a gal eat out the miniature horse that I have while sitting on my male member. I hope they took away the, the animal. I think like, he's not allowed to have them anymore. I think they did. <laughs> While trying to entice a potential paid companion, Shipman acknowledged the difficulty in arranging such a threesome. Last two gals I asked said it was noticeably outside their comfort zone. Yeah, <laughs> no, good. No shit, Sherlock. <sighs> uh, he wrote, as first reported by Matt Esnaira in the Daily News, when confronted by police, Shipman reportedly admitted to being TNA board user the Malamute uh, and soliciting Diane to, oh God, hold your stomachs, folks, to eat out or lick one of his miniature horse's private parts. Aww. He selected Diane, Shipman told cops, because she posted in the board's fetish section and he hoped that she would be more agreeable to having sexual contact with him and his miniature horse. During police questioning, Shipman admitted to having prior sexual contact with animals, according to the probable cause statement. An investigator reported spotting two miniature horses in the pasture of the rural 7.62 acre property Shipman and his wife purchased. Oh, he's married? <laughs> yes, surprise, surprise. They purchased for $365,000 in July of 2019. A judge released Shipman on $1,000 bail. That's it. And ordered him to have no contact with animals. While the prosecuting attorney has declined to file felony charges against Shipman in Superior Court, his case has been referred to the Lower District Court for lesser charges. Do you believe that, Mally? Mm. That is your stunning last story for oh, Dumb Crime, Stupid Criminal. 
Want to end this on an up note? <laughs> so we yes, don't have please. that. Okay. So, Mally, you're on television. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> you don't want to talk about it? Uh, I was. Uh, uh, strange evidence. Yes, yeah, strange evidence. I'm dialing yeah. around on the on the on the old TV. I'm reading Nadia Udine's book this weekend, and. I'm, I'm on the Science Channel, and there's Mally Fox. <laughs> and I was like, "Oh my God, there's Mally!" They were doing a, they were doing a, um, they were doing a, uh, what you call it, one of them there where they play one after another. Um, yeah, marathon. Marathon, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, words is hard when I'm reading a story about a <laughs> guy wanting a prostitute to do things to a miniature horse. Yeah. Um, so uh, they're airing a marathon of strange evidence, and there's Mally. Not once, but uh, multiple times during the afternoon uh, <laughs> on a Saturday afternoon. So I was like, that is awesome. Mm-hmm. So first of all, congratulations. Well, thank you. And I know re- I sometimes forget because I don't really talk about it mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that I that I filmed for that show for like three years. Yeah. Yeah, and there were there were newer episodes being aired on Science Channel during the week. So, um, but check your local listings, folks, because there's newer episodes out there now of Stranger Evidence. I don't know if they were holding them back or what the deal was, but mm-hmm. but uh, they're out there. So uh, look for Stranger Evidence on your local listings for local uh, for times in your local area. So, <laughs> I have to tell you a funny story though. One of them, I was. There was a mishap and they got, got it. Like they were wrong with what I did. Like my label, you know, quote unquote. They called you a researcher. I know that. Okay. I've been called a couple of things. Yeah. What what did they call you? One time by accident. And it was like the first story I did. They had me, (laughs) they didn't air it as that, but they, on the, on the, like the, filming script thing that they give you, mm-hmm. you know, like your times, your stories and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had me as a marine biologist. <laughs> nice. So you George Costanza it. I mean, they ended up correcting it because I was like, guys, <laughs> I'm so far from it. I can't pronounce half these words. And you oh got me God. as a marine biologist. <laughs> a marine biologist. That's classic. That is classic. Because I think I was doing a story, I think it was like a whale, I think that was found in the middle of the Amazon Mm -hmm. jungle or something like that. And so they had me as a biologist, a marine biologist. Oh my God. (laughs) That is too much. That is too much. Too funny though. Too funny. Yeah, it was. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) I'll have to look and see if they replay that episode. Marine Uh, biologist. No, but they had you as the ones I saw. The researcher, it did. I okay. Researcher, so yeah, I've yeah. been called a couple of things on that thing. Yeah. So, but, but no, they're very good episodes. Very good episodes. So thank you. Yeah, I had fun. Everyone's really nice, and it's. Yeah. I mean, it's fun stories. It's kind of. It's very similar. If you don't get the Science Channel, it's very similar to uh, what is it? Paranormal caught on tape. Yeah. Or paranormal, caught on camera. Caught on camera. Paranormal caught on camera. Right. Yeah, it's like that. Yeah. You have these stories, and then you've got people that you know try and come up with solutions or. Yeah, you know, yeah. ideas of why these things happen. I know this much. Their budget for experts has got to be through the roof. There were 13 different people on each episode. Yeah, you do it. <laughs> yeah. 
Speaking from experience, it's not that much of a budget. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. All right. Just going to say. I, I, I was sitting there with intern Yoko. We're watching the episodes, and I'm like, how many? Uh, what's their budget for experts? Right. They're, right. There's like 13 different people on every episode. And there's, uh, <laughs> by the way, close circuit to Nick Householder, you need a new last name. Uh, <laughs> Because it sounds like a, a fake GI Joe name, just yeah, something different. It's just from me to you, buddy. That's a, that's. A, <laughs> it's it's memorable. I remembered his name. Yeah, but it's just a fake fake name, very fake name. I mean, that may be his real name, but it sounds mm -hmm. fake. So that's all. <laughs> you should write to him. He needs to change his name. <laughs> you need to change his name. <laughs> it sounds fake. That's right. You need a real name like Frankenschnitzel. Yeah, just like your title. That's right. <laughs> I expect you to be holding a house if your name is Householder. Yeah. So, yeah. But uh, so check out Mally on, on Strange Evidence because they're, they're, um, they're airing them right now on the Science Channel. If you don't have the Science Channel in your area, well, by gosh, scream at your cable company until they put it on. Yeah. Or you can find it on, I know I've seen it on uh, Discovery Plus and also Max. That's right. So Discovery Plus or Max. Those. Yep, so you can stream it there. Um, yeah, so do that. Go check it out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what else is going on? Uh, Paranormal Girl, right? Paranormalgirl.com? Yep, paranormalgirl.com. I just made a cocktail this weekend, which I have to post. Um, it was actually kind of tasty. Really? It was, uh, it was uh, apple cider, lemonade, and whiskey, and then a little cinnamon. It was different because I was like, ah, I don't know about that. But actually, it was refreshing. Really? It does sound refreshing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so I'll, I'll post that. But yeah, just bits been busy trying to enjoy the whole, take in the whole October, you know, atmosphere. So. Right on, right on. Yeah. Did an investigation, all that good stuff. It was fun. Good deal. Good deal. Are you going to blog about the investigation? Uh, Probably not. <laughs> doesn't help you but <laughs> people could have just seen the look i gave <laughs> all right fine then keep it private see if we care fine then uh no i mean it was a great it, it was a great investigation but it was a quiet investigation like not oh. a lot of stuff happened you know okay. what i mean sure sure it doesn't always happen so it's yeah not always on cue, but okay. uh, I mean, it was it was good. I'm grateful for the access to the place and stuff, but it was it was kind of a quiet night. Okay, all right. So. Well, coming up tomorrow, we've got supernatural news again with Mally, and then uh, coming up on Thursday, Nadia Udine will be in. She's got a brand new fictional book out there dealing with. Are you ready for this, Mally? Mm -hmm. The complications of AI. And in her story, it takes place in the future. There's a company run much like with an inventor, like a Steve Jobs or a, an Elon Musk, an inventor. I'd say more Steve Jobs than Elon Musk. But like a Steve Jobs type character who's figured out how to make our lives, quote unquote, easier. In the future, we're using robots like servants. Okay. Uh-huh. And they wash our dishes and they help us and they turn down our lights and they, we even have automated cars that we drive in. And a lot of our manual labor jobs have been taken over by robots and we do you know, our menial jobs. Uh -huh. And we're doing more, uh, more of the thinking tasks and the, the 
we're doing more of the white collar jobs in mm-hmm. in but but there's more of a there's more of a divide in society and so there are a lot of people unemployed that haven't made the transition to white collar jobs that had blue collar mm-hmm. jobs so there's a definite divide in our society and there's two characters uh, Aisha and Sam who have just lost their mother and they had lost their father a few years before to dementia and they come from a mixed background and their mother when she dies um, Sam the, the I know I'm getting a little involved in it Sam the uh, the brother is estranged from the mother the daughter has been dutiful to the mother and decides that she's going to try it. She works for the company that this uh, Steve Jobs guy works for, or rather is the, is the founder of. And she works as a PR person. And they've created a brand new experiment to try to keep the brain alive so that you can communicate with that person after they've died. Okay. Okay. So it's an interesting experiment in communicating with a person after they've died via their brain, who's been kept alive. Now, here's the trick. The brain only remembers up until the time where it's expired. Okay. So you can talk about past memories, but it's still conscious. It's still there. So the consciousness is there. Uh Uh-huh. But it only remembers up until the point where it expired. It's an interesting theory, and we'll have Nadia Udin on on Thursday to talk about AI, its pros and cons, Mm -hmm. how she came up with the concept of this book, and whether it's healthy for us to go down this road. It's an interesting discussion, and we'll talk about the book in, in length. And... I don't know. It's 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 going to be a fascinating discussion on Thursday. So it's my own personal nightmare. I figured I, I should have it uh, during Halloween for everybody. Just right. To, yeah. Peel back those onion layers for you. So yeah, going to be interesting. That's that's Thursday on the show. So good good week this week. So there you go. So that'll do it for True Crime Tuesday from Ali Fox. I'm Tim Dennis. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you tomorrow for Supernatural News uh, right here on Darkness Radio. Thank you for listening to True Crime Tuesday.